Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Psychice Podcast. For those of you checking us out for the very first time, I'm Dr. Jun Chun, here with my co-host, Dr. Logan Noon, and we are both resident psychiatrists. This episode today, we're talking about artificial intelligence again. More specifically, we're talking about ChatGPT. Um, there's a story that's been making the rounds on Reddit. It's titled, let's see what the article is titled. It's from the Daily Mail. It says, the AI, you will, the AI will see you now. ChatGPT provides higher quality answers and is more empathetic than real doctors study finds. Immediate reactions, Logan. Are you calling BS on this? You yeah. Really think? This is this is the dumbest thing in the world. They're going to replace you. No, this is the dumbest thing in the world because it's it's look, it was a double-blinded study, so the respond the people evaluating didn't know if um it was uh, a person or an artificial intelligence. And I think that there's a lot of criticisms. I'll get into it later. But most immediately, if I know that I'm getting a response from an entity that is not a person, immediately I'm going to be like, that thing doesn't care about me. It's just a machine that's like spitting out this response. Like empathy, I think, is a human emotion. It's a connection between two people. And I don't think that that can exist between a human and a machine. Like, is my car empathetic to me because I enjoy driving it? Like, I think, is, does my PlayStation care about me because I like my video games? It's the dumbest thing to me in the world. This, this, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get pissed off this episode. This too. study will disagree with you, Doctor Noon. Wow. They say you're gonna be replaced because you're not empathetic enough. All right, so we're getting right into it, huh? So this is, uh, you just mentioned some of the criticisms on um, about the study that this study, um, this article is based on, and I agree. This title is a little bit clickbaity because when I first read the title and reading the article afterwards, totally different, um, right? Emotions and y- y- you know, like understanding of what's actually happening. Um, so, guys. So this article is from the Daily Mail. I'm gonna leave that as a reference if you wanted to access it. Um, but we'll just kind of discuss. Um, you know, the impact of AI within the world of psychiatry. Well, let me interrupt you there real quick. You know, this, you are referencing the Daily Mail and that's like a media outlet um, coverage of this. But this this is a legitimate study produced from the University of California, San Diego. San Diego, that's right. You know, this was also actually published in um, the JAMA Internal Medicine on April 28th, 2023. So this is just not necessarily like Daily Mail media fluff. Like this is actually supposed Supposedly, a legitimate scientific study from a, a well-established um, big-name school. I haven't seen the um, JAMA publication. Did they just publish uh, the study, or did they add like an editorial piece to it? No, I mean it, it, the editorial section was from the actual authors themselves, where they right. go over like conclusions of the study, limitations of the study. There was very interesting, and I thought well thought out. Um, comments that I was reading from, cause I was actually on the JAMA, uh, webpage. Um, and is it JAMA, uh, journal of medical association journal of American medical association. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> we I, I feel out. like I should know that, but we always just say JAMA, you know, in our world. And yeah, We're doctors, this is a, we promise I, I, we both graduated medical school. I promise, you know, these are JAMA is one of the most well-respected peer reviewed journals in the world. You know, so so I really want to emphasize that this is not just a media fluff piece. Okay, so maybe there's some legitimacy to the study itself, but that expre- uh, the extrapolation from that study to this kind of I'm going to call it a sensationalized title um, mm-hmm. put out by the Daily Mail that AI is supposedly more empathetic than physicians. I think that's a bit of a stretch, and we'll get into that right now. So, like you said, this is a study. This article was based on a study by UC San Diego. 
right? And as the article states, a study by UC San Diego compared written replies from doctors and those from ChatGPT to real-world health queries to see which one came out on top. Okay, so basically, the main issue that I see immediately was that the responses that was generated by the physicians were obtained on a Reddit forum. Right. Yeah, Ask Doctor um, Reddit forum. Apparently, that's like a really big subreddit. There's a lot of activities. Yeah, and all us doctors, you know, outside of seeing patients, will log on to ask doctors and just answer questions, right, June? Right, so there's a selection bias there, it's right? The what kind of personality is logging on to Reddit and providing these answers? That was a sarcastic answer for clarification. Right. Although I will say, if you're providing medical information out there, I mean, ha hats off to you, right? You're, I, I, I would say you're providing a service to, um, you know, to the general public out there. If the medical advice is scientifically found, yeah, of I mean, I, I, I yeah. have some concerns about that. But yeah. okay, so, go on. so basically, what I'm trying to say is, like, I feel like the study is unfair to those doctors because these were um, the answers from these doctors weren't um, like they didn't. The doctors didn't know ahead of time that their doctor right. that their answers were going to be used in a comparison with AI and judged on how empathetic the quality of their answers were, but rather, listen, think about it this way, Logan. When you're writing something on a forum. Um, when you're talking on a public podcast like this, right? You're speaking to a general audience. You're not speaking to a specific individual most of the time. Right. So I think on the merits of that alone, when you're talking to an individual one-on-one, -on -one, um, you are able to empathize with that person. You're able to use language that's tailored to help that patient feel more understood and that you you, underst you understand what they're going through. But mm -hmm. when you're talking to the general public, you're giving more generalized advice, phrasing those in a more generalized way. So that empathy can get lost. So that that's one major flaw of this study. ChatGPT was being asked questions that you would be asked in a one-to-one -one setting. ChatGPT was giving answers formulated in a way that was meant for an individual re uh, recipient versus the doctors in the study, one, they didn't realize that their answers were going to be compared to ChatGPT, mm -hmm. and two, and more importantly, the target audience that the doctor's responses would generate towards was that of an of a larger group, not, not an individual. So in that circumstance, it does make sense that you're going to have a lower empathy rating. Right, right. You know, I... I think chat GBT and, and just artificial intelligence is obviously going to provide um, benefits for healthcare as a whole. You know, I think of it as this is a wonderful information providing tool, but even so, we have to be extremely skeptical in the information that it provides. You know, we're in the infancy, of course, of this uh, open AI, chat GPT, and artificial intelligence, but there's a true concern of lying, confabulation, and the possible information that that is provided here. You know, one of the big criticisms of this study is, is it actually accurate? It judged for quality, but it seems like more of that quality metric was based on the, the length of the response. The density, right, as they phrased it? Yeah, not necessarily the accuracy. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. I mean, there's all different types of advice out there, right? But as we all know, you have to be very careful who we take advice from, um, because not every piece of advice is going to be sound. Not every piece of advice is going to lead to positive benefits. And if AI is giving answers that are inaccurate, that's a major concern. I would almost immediately stay, go from that to saying that it would render it completely useless. If it can't be trusted to give um, sound information, especially when it's 
It has to do with our health and the decisions that we make in regards to long-term goals in terms of healthcare, right? If you're giving, if you're getting inaccurate advice, what is really the purpose? I, I would say it would just add more confusion. Um, Logan, I don't know if you saw, there was a recent article in the New York Times about a lawyer that used ChatGPT yes. to write their affidavit. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I heard about this. And, um, yeah. you know, I granted, I don't know the specifics off the top of my head, but it is actually, I think it was probably on a podcast that we both listened to, Breaking Points. Breaking Points, yeah, 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 yeah. Then yeah. I read the article. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to summarize, you know, check out Breaking Points, great podcast. We're basically trying to emulate ourselves off of yeah. that political article, podcast. Articles on New York Times, by the way, if you're interested. You guys right. can just Google it. Um, but, you know, in short, this lawyer used uh, artificial intelligence. I'm not sure if it was ChatGPT or not. ChatGPT. PT, I okay. believe. Um, but uh, to reference basically case law and the artificial intelligence reference cases that didn't exist. It made it up. Yeah. It made it up, but it sounded legitimate. It's it's such a concern. So there's it, that danger, right? You it, yeah, feel like you're getting sound with mes- advice. Oh, in, in this medical study, uh, it, it said this. So actually, when I was preparing for our previous episode, you encouraged me, hey, you should you know fool around with ChatGPT to try to get some information um, based on... Uh, mindfulness for pediatrics so just to fool around with it just to see you know i i do want to become well versed in using this i think we all should man it was pissing me off man uh it said oh a study uh this study um said that mindfulness can help and i'd be like okay great well tell me more about this study how many participants were in it um can you tell me the limitations of the study oh no no no. the chat gpt is not capable of able to doing that I was it's like, an ai bot or something right, like that, right? i was like so all you're just saying that. is a study said this, but you can't get into any of the specifics. Like, yes, maybe in the future, AI will be able to do these intricacies, but we do need to be aware and extremely skeptical of the limitations of what the current AI can do. Right. And in light of that New York Times article where AI literally made up like four landmark cases, Mm -hmm. um, it even generated like quotations that were used. um, And these were cases and quotations that neither the lawyer or the judge could find anywhere in the reference books. So completely made up. So that makes me wonder, like when we ask ChatGPT, like even when we're doing research for this podcast, I always feel like we need to add that second layer of questioning now. Like I need to, I need to fact check um, this AI bot so that I'm not spewing misinformation essentially. So there is a real danger. Um, Logan, so I I also did an interesting experiment. I was asking you like some pretty complicated um, psychiatric pharmacology questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was asking yourself like, okay. Not like, am I alone? (laughs) Yeah, not like that stuff. No, I was (laughs) asking you like like real. (laughs) Yeah, I was, no, I was asking it stuff like, which antipsychotic has the highest risk for QTC prolongation? Okay. Um, For those of you who are not psychiatrists, not working in mental health, that that probably flew over your head. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly the point, right? That's the level of esoteric, detailed question that I asked ChatGPT. Did it get it? Partially. Interesting. It was partially correct. Um, It actually listed um, Geodon as one of the least. And we know that's the worst. That's oh, one I of actually thought are. it was Thorazine. Thorazine was listed as one of them, but Geodon especially. That's I know that's oh, one okay. of the highest QTC prolonging, and ChatGPT told me that it's one of the lowest. So I think it's a good reference for me to quickly refresh my memory because I I know you know at a point mm-hmm. I knew this information right, so I can quickly look at the answers it generates. And at this point in my training, I'm able to quickly say like, okay, that oh yeah, it was that one, it was that one, but that one is definitely not it. Right. So I'm able to use my um you know my training, my knowledge, and kind of filter out the information that ChatGPT is giving me. Um, but at the same time. If I was asking it questions in a field that um, I wasn't super versed in, would I have the confidence to um, listen to that AI-generated response? Because think about it. If a patient has prolonged QTC and you give the wrong medication, you can potentially kill that individual. Right. Right? So 
can do we feel comfortable making medical decisions based on the advice of ChatGPT? And if not, by extension, should we should patients feel comfortable taking advice from ChatGPT instead of consulting their individual physicians? Right. It's an interesting thing to think about. So tell me more about this study. You know, so it looked at the quality of responses, but how did it even really grade for empathy? What is your understanding of that? I guess just the way that it was phrased. I believe the article mentioned that it was um, evaluated by independent, I don't know if it was psychiatrists or other mental health providers, but they they essentially read the text-based answers that was provided by the physician and that was generated by the AI. And they just kind of gave it an empathy rating um, based on whichever they thought sounded better. But again, I don't think that's fair because I don't think the main goal when the doctors were answering these Reddit posts was to sound empathetic. I think it was to deliver information um, and the way I would talk to a patient and the way I would make an anonymous post on Reddit is completely different. Um, Right. Yeah, like completely, 100%. Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, not even close. Like that that is I think one of the biggest criticisms of this study. It's like, well, yeah, this this physician, you know, wasn't necessarily compensated for their time posting on this. Like you said earlier, they didn't know that they were going to be involved necessarily in this study. So I was actually on call last night. Um, you know, still a little bit tired. Um, I had a patient in the middle of the night who was complaining of insomnia. Um, you know, and I was thinking about like, well, I wonder like, what if that patient could interact with this open AI, this chat GPT, in the middle of the night and say, hey, I can't sleep. Can you give me some advice on how to do that? I'm actually confident that chat GPT would be able to outline pretty extensively good sleep hygiene techniques and, and other potential maybe cognitive behavioral techniques for insomnia. Like, I do think there is some utility here. Like, there has to be. Um but would it ever be able to provide the same level of empathy as me sitting and talking with that person? Because like you said earlier, empathy, you, you reference language and, you know, chat GPT text messages in the middle of the night. I think that's very an unfair reason or unfair way, excuse me, to look at empathy. Empathy is tone of voice, body language, eye contact, um, and also just the presence of being with another person. Like, I, I think it's impossible to, you know, we have cell phones recording us right now, our film. That cell phone is going to have artificial intelligence in it. So does that cell phone care for me? Because it's, I guess, now intelligent. Just because something's intelligent, does that mean it has feelings, emotions? It's it's capable of empathy? I don't think a machine is capable of empathy. And I feel extremely passionate about that. How do you feel about the statement um, that AI generates responses that it calculates the other person wants to hear. Yeah, right. Do you think right. there's some truth to that? I mean, absolutely. And and it's like these empathetic responses that the AI is generating, it's not that it's generating on its own, it's generating a calculation of different responses that it's already seen online that it would define as empathetic versus what that person, that provider is actually trying to feel, feel the emotions of that other person in front of them. Right. I wonder how much, um, if somebody is talking to ChatGPT, how much of that is in the back of their mind? You know, that, that knowledge that ChatGPT is essentially making these algorithmic calculations to try to spit out an answer that, that, you know, the, the, the algorithm calculated that you wanted to hear from it versus talking to another human being where, you know, albeit 
we as psychiatrists, mental health care providers are also trained to, to a certain degree um, to work with the patient in terms of formulating our responses, making sure the responses and our line of questioning is delivered in, a, in an empathetic um, and non-confrontational manner. Um, but talking to a real human being, you know that that's another human being with their own emotions, their own impulses, their own thoughts, biases. And if you're able to elicit a level of empathetic response from a real person, psychologically, wouldn't that have some sort of effect versus getting it from a machine? Right. Absolutely. You know, and so I think like us scientists assume that randomized double controlled and by that it means like blinded so like the evaluators didn't know if the response was from an actual person if it was from an ai we always assume that that's the best approach and in this situation i would almost argue well i almost think what if this wasn't blinded what if the evaluator or that person what if it was actually talking to a real patient knew like okay well this response is from artificial intelligence this response is from an actual person that spent some time and read about your case and and thought through things which one do you prefer and like i think there are some fair extrapolations that we can make from this study so wait you doing that study by the way logan i think no. that's a great um you know some great ideas pay me i'd be i'd be, I'd <laughs> be curious to see it. what the results are maybe um, is there a real difference in the perception of how empathetic um ai versus a person is if they you know for example one we just gave them a phone and they had to text and in another circumstance somebody actually came down in person maybe even like tapped them on the shoulder gave them a little bit of reassurance did an interview and you had that human human interaction how big would the um you know we're, we're in healthcare right? right we know that health you know satisfaction metrics are huge mm -hmm. right we patient satisfaction right right how much of an impact would that have and furthermore logan i think there's a bigger question of what really is empathy um is right. it is empathy just spitting out answers um, or questions that you feel like the other person wants to hear is empathy being um, taking the, the path of least resistance and giving answers um, that that are not going to provoke the person um, that are going to placate the other person is right. that really what empathy is um, i'd argue that sometimes it is but as human beings we know that there's an element of emotional intelligence and right. sometimes as as psychiatrists and as human beings, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a husband, um, I'm a friend to you, your co-host. Right. You're so a brother all, to me, Jim. Exactly. We all have these relationships, you know, that cause conflicts and nobody's, nobody's perfect in this world, right? Because there are times, and I say that because there's times where I need you, Logan, to call me out on my bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. I need you to tell me that no, you're feeling this way, but you need to take a hard look in the mirror and you need to straighten yourself out. Right. Sometimes we all need to hear that message. And is that a message that ChatGPT, um, you know, holding holding the esteem of uh, empathy so, so highly, is that a conversation that ChatGPT can have with an individual? And if so, does ChatGPT have the emotional intelligence to recognize when the best time and the, what, what the best phrasing and the techniques that you need to use um, to make that kind of confrontation for an individual? Because as you know, there are certain interviews, you ask a certain questions at the wrong time, the patient completely shuts down. Right. You phrase that question the wrong way, you're not hearing any other response from the patient. Right. And, you know, I, I so kind of pulling out from this study, one one thing I thought that was kind of interesting is so the mean physician um, responses were significantly shorter than chatbot responses. Um, 52 words versus uh, was on average versus 211 words on average for the chatbot. 
I think that's honestly fair. You know, even though these um, physicians didn't know that they were necessarily being graded on that, you know, look, I was on call last night. I was busy. I barely slept. You know, a chatbot is going to be able to provide longer responses. It doesn't get tired. It could do this thing, you know, infinite times over. You like, I get that. I think that's actually a fair conclusion we can make from this study. But is length always better? You know, how many times, I think most especially of my patients who I feel may live with borderline personality disorder. It's a very complicated condition. I've given them, you know, we have these whole booklets that we use, right, on explaining borderline personality disorder. I hand this to the patient and not all the time, but frequently I kind of get this look of, uh, get fucked. You know, and it's, I do think that there is some power, there is some utility in being concise and getting to the point. Tell me, okay, so in short, what does borderline personality disorder mean? In short, what does it mean to live with schizophrenia? Why should I take this medicine? And I think that is what we hold right now as really true superiors as being physicians is we can be concise. We can get to the point because I don't always think longer equals better. I'm going to push back a little bit because I do think um, that at times, uh, maybe a lot of times, there is room for maybe a more verbose answer. And I say that because I think um, just a lot of people, the way they interact with the healthcare system, look, a lot of Americans are feeling frustrated with the American healthcare system. That's no secret. And I think a lot of the complaint is that as time goes on, they feel like they have less and less time to see to meet with their doctors face to face, right? It's, it's difficult to even see a doctor these days, right? The wait times are ridiculous. And it's really an unfortunate circumstance that we're in. Um, but comparing this to the model of AI, sometimes I think people want you as the physician to talk, to just sit down with them and look, Logan, there's been situations where I just droned on for 10 minutes, just talking about the esoteric mechanisms of schizophrenia, um, right. the mechanisms behind, you know, a a second generation antipsychotic versus a first generation antipsychotic. And I know most likely that the pay, everything that I'm saying is flying over that person's head. Right. But sometimes I believe that just by me sitting down and me willing to spend that time to commit that time and me willing to provide that explanation, even if they they don't understand any of it, just that, just that, you know, just by the act of me being there physically um, and right. showing that patient that commitment they feel a lot better. So maybe that's a little bit of the placebo effect. But I definitely agree um, that AI, you know, in terms of providing long answers is definitely much better because it doesn't get tired for that, for that one simple reason. Um, but I, what I will say is that when I, listen, I'm not going to reread the article because it's actually a pretty long response that was generated by the AI bot. If you guys are interested, please check out that, um, please check out the article that we're referencing from the Daily Mail. Um, but it kind of, almost sounded like a brochure to me, like a medical pamphlet, just the way it was written, how verbose and lengthy it was. Right. I don't know. I don't think as a physician, I don't think I would ever talk to a patient in that regard. It sounded more of like an ad to me than anything else. Right, right. And, you know, playing off of that, um, there was this criticism um, that was, uh, it was a comment on, I was on the JAMA uh, website reading this. I'm going to butcher this name. I'm sorry. Femor Mastriani, he's a medical doctor. Um, I'm quite frankly not sure from where. Um, let me see if I can actually find. He's from, um, oh, he doesn't list where he's from. But he's talking about uh, conflicts of interest. And I think that there are some real legitimate concerns of uh, conflicts of interest here. So let me read you what he said. Hold on, hold on. Can I try to take a guess? Yes. 
Is it, does it have anything to do with like hospital administration? No. No? All right. Several, and so he said, um, I think it's a he, <laughs> I don't know. Benor? The doctor? Yeah, whatever, yeah. this person. Some of the people who rated the responses are authors with financial conflicts of interest related to artificial intelligence or chatbot technology. They may be more likely to be able to recognize the kinds of responses produced by chatbots due to their work in the field. Moreover, they may stand to gain financially if the computer responses were found to be better. That's interesting. Um, okay, so all studies have their flaws, right? There's right. no single study that's perfect, that's um, you know above criticism. So let's let's start off there. If okay, so if these were if these were parties where they had financial incentive to make this. Um, AI bot look as good as possible. I don't know. I feel like they did a poor job because the way the study is designed, it's just, I, I feel like it's garbage. Right. Like, how are we really evaluating, extrapolating a post on Reddit that wasn't yeah. even vetted, you know, prior to that post being generated that it was going to Well, be... they were verified physicians. I don't know exactly right, how right, that verification but, worked. But, but in the sense that they weren't vetted as in, like, the physicians didn't know that their, their, that their responses were going to be evaluated um, right. for empathy, Right. So basically what I'm trying to say is ChatGPT may have looked more empathetic in this study because the doctors weren't trying. Right. Yeah, and I would agree <laughs> with that cuz you know, I'll go I'll go toe to toe with ChatGPT all fucking day long and I think I would win. Let's go Logan. I love and to like, see that fight in you. Like it's I mean, look, I like I've said this on other podcasts. I think that the intricacies of pharmacology is something that sure. It 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 is going to I would say it's it's how could it not almost have a better memory, perhaps, than a human being? You know, our neurons, where I'm 34 years old, they're slowly dying. You know, that is what it is. Um, but my emotional intelligence, I think, is absolutely superior to ChatGPT. And I think it's always going to be because ChatGPT is trying to emulate um, what a human responds in an emotional way. And you know, like I was saying earlier, if a human is knowing, even if, you know, I know that this was just text messages, but let's imagine that this was a more advanced version of ChatGPT. If it was um, perhaps this like, uh, this like Skype image or something that you see on the screen, and it's actually a person talking, it's actually a voice with maybe even like a tone and like a facial expressions and all this stuff. But if you knew that wasn't a real person, versus talking to a real person. I think we should talk about kind of the the social isolation component of mental illness and how that can really be a component of really all mental illness in some capacity. Is that gonna alleviate social isolation? Is that really talking to a, a chatbot? Is that really gonna make that person feel more comforted? I, I don't think so, I'm very skeptical. Great point, Logan. I'm very happy that you brought that up. Um, you know, we know that getting out of the house and even saying hello at your local grocery store, saying hello to your neighbor, even those very seemingly superficial social interactions can have great benefits to our mental health. Right. So when we talk about ChatGPT, and we've seen some of this with telepsychiatry as well, right? And telehealth in general, there's been, look, telehealth has been great for a lot of people. It's helped with access, it's helped with convenience, both on the provider and the patient's end. But I, I think there's also 
um, concerns as far as there have also been patients who are prone to self-isolation that right. became even more withdrawn. And knowing that social interaction is such a powerful force in our well-being is the availability of ChatGPT, especially if it's able to provide care that's as good or even superior to what we're able to provide. Is that going to encourage people to further isolate and further become a recluse? And is that going to be a, kind of a vicious cycle, right? Because one of the ways that we can break them out of it is we're always encouraging them, right? Like, hey, I want to see you out in the community. I want to see you, you know, volunteering, attending classes, whatever it is. Just get out there and have a schedule and do something. So is AI going to be counterproductive to that ultimate end? And you know, like you said, I think a lot of this conversation um, is a question about relationships, mm -hmm. right? What is what is the meaning of relationships? Is it a simple um, interaction between me and a device, another person? Or is it deeper than that? Is there a, a, a connection, um, an unspoken bond that can be recognized by both parties involved? So for example, Logan, you can tell me that this guy down the street gives the best haircuts, he's giving a 50% discount. I wouldn't care, man. I have mm -hmm. my I have my barber. I've been going to him for five years. Right. That's my that's my homie. Um, he knows he knows where I live. He knows what I do for work. He knows about my family stuff. He knows about my dog. I have a real relationship with him, an unspoken relationship with him. Nothing needs to be said. He knows that I'm showing up every three weeks, and right. he knows. Yeah, when I call, he knows what time I'm gonna ask for, and I feel a I feel a bond, an unspoken bond. As weird as that as as weird as that sounds. Um, so. Perhaps we need to recognize that that unspoken um, components of a relationship is also a very powerful force when it comes to our well-being and mental wellness. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's like as this, you know, I, I saw a news a stat on um, CNN today that, you know, uh, ChatGPT hit five million users in the course of like less than a week or something, some wild set. And I, I don't know exactly what it was, but much faster than like Spotify and all these other big technology platforms did. Like people are using this, but I still don't think that we know exactly how it's going to be best used. You know, I really envision that this artificial intelligence can be a great tool that we can use to provide objective, hopefully objective, because obviously we, we talked about it, it's lying a lot, but pro providing objective information. You know, when I start a patient on a medication, perhaps it can chat with that chat GPT about their potential concerns, maybe reinforcing the side effect profile, things to look out for, maybe uh, easy questions that it may have. But let's imagine the extreme of this. And, you know, you kind of touched on this and maybe wanted to do a different episode on it, but maybe we can just briefly bring it up now. Let's imagine that there's a person that becomes so socially isolated that they don't like talking to any real human beings and they only like talking to artificial intelligence uh, entities, whatever that may be. That's that's a disorder. You know, it doesn't exist yet, but that that's a disorder in itself. You know, maybe we hold on. Maybe we call that something different now, maybe like video game addiction, because maybe that's kind of a weird version of of artificial intelligence that we're interacting with. But that's a pathology and that's a pathology that I'm concerned about. I, I was just I was just going to comment that that literally sounds like you're living in a simulation, right? Right. What is what is the meaning of life anymore? Right. Is it just um, for pleasures and pleasantries? in whatever kind of concoction that we can um, manually make up? Or is it the real experience of 
you know, even the unpleasant things in life, right? Is it is life about, you know, getting into argument with your friends, learning from those endeavors, um, trying something hard, failing, falling down eight times and getting back up, up on the ninth? Um, is that what it's about? Or is it just about easiness? Is it just about comfort? Um, because AI will certainly provide that, right? It, everything could be generated towards your own liking, towards your own pro, pro, uh, proclivities. Um, and real life isn't like that. So... I guess that's more of a philosophical question. Will more individuals start to opt for, you know, an AI generated reality versus the harsh realities of everyday life? It's an interesting question. And we know that ChatGPT is in its infancy right now. And already, I'll admit, it's pretty damn impressive what it can right, do. Absolutely, yeah. It's a great resource. Um, and I know one day, um, I don't know how soon it's going to be, but I can reasonably assume that one day, it's going to get to the point where it's able to provide much more accurate medical advice. Um, those mm -hmm. questions, the pharmacology questions that I asked it, that I referenced a little bit earlier, there's no, no doubt in my mind that one day it's going to give the correct answers. So, you know, this technology is just developing. So how far will it progress? And the ultimate question is, can it actually replace human beings? Can it replace me and you? Can it replace what we, the value that we bring to our patients? Um, and I would say perhaps in terms of the, the book knowledge, maybe it can. Um, I'm sure it'll even outrival us in that regard. But I don't think it can compete with us on that relationship levels because at the right. end of the day, um, we're human beings. We are evolutionally tribal beings where community has always been fundamentally very, very important. Being included in a group, right? And that kind of um, empathetic response Unless ChatGPT suddenly grows, pops, pops the head, grows arms, grows legs, and walks down and shakes that patient's hand, I don't think we have to worry. Well, I, I mean, I, I am still worried, right? You know, we talked about uh, frequently the warlords of the healthcare system trying to basically just earn money off of every patient's back. You know, and, and could you argue that maybe uh, that chat GPT model with that robot that goes down and shakes the person's hand and all that crap, that robot's never going to get tired. How many robots do you need? Is it less expensive to hire one of those damn robots than a bunch of uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, and nurses to do those jobs, you know? But I, I guess quick word of motivation, I guess, to individuals like us who are in the world of psychiatry, maybe they're also in the world of psychiatric nurse practitioner, or maybe they're a PA, someone like us who's prescribing medication to um, patients. You know, I think ChatGPT, in a sense, should actually scare us a little bit when it comes to pharmacology. Like I said earlier, I would probably put money on that it remembers some of the intricacies better than I do uh, with pharmacology. So I hope this motivates individuals like me and you to go back to kind of old school psychiatry, lean into the psychotherapy aspect of it, that human connection, the talk therapy, the, the empathy, like we've been talking about this whole episode, because those are the components that I think do not scare me as much. But, you know, we do need to improve, I feel like, because there's a lot of physicians, psychiatrists, people out there who do just want to manage the meds. Maybe they don't even enjoy talking to their patients anymore. Maybe the demand for those services will continue to dwindle down. Mm -hmm. um, well, I shouldn't say cont continue to dwindle down because they're not dwindling at all, <laughs> at least in today's uh, current climate. There's actually a huge demand and an extreme shortage of psychiatrists. Right. Um, it's actually like a pretty sad situation where a lot of patients are suffering. Uh, the wait times are extremely long to even mm -hmm. get into an outpatient psychiatrist. But like you said, maybe this is a question about um, the ever-changing landscape of the world and you know, healthcare as a, as an industry, right? And with the advent of AI, 
you know, maybe one of one of the unique things about human history is that we're 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 a species of adaptation. We we've been successful as a species because no matter the changes in weather, no matter the catastrophes that's happening externally, we've always been able to adapt and overcome. So perhaps we have to lean into that, like you said, Logan. Right. Maybe we need to focus in on other modalities that we can help our patients. Maybe we need to lean in more to that patient physician relationship. Maybe we need to be try to make an effort to be more empathetic. Um, maybe spend longer time with patients, whatever it takes to foster that human-to-human -human connection. Maybe that's where we can really excel and beat out our AI counterparts. That's actually one thing that I am hopeful for. So I, I wonder, you know, I think a lot about, you know, when I was, um, when I first made the decision to abandon my um, insurance career, um, you know, I didn't really like that career, but guess what? It, it was a lot more comfortable in some ways. I showed up from nine to five, there was very rarely any weekends. There was very rarely any um, nights. No I, weekends, no nights. What, what is this fantasy world? Certainly no 24-hour call. No 24? And the the my favorite part of the job is when I was finished, I did not think about it ever. Not even close. Like, not even for a moment, to be honest. Um, I have all those opposite problems now. You know, being in healthcare, I think one of the most challenging things is that I, I can't stop thinking about it frequently. Um but what I hope with, so going back to what I was saying, I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue the world of therapy, um, nursing, or psychiatry, what we're doing now. And look, I mean, even sitting here as a physician, there's some times where I think about like, wow, did I make the right decision? Because one of the things that I don't like about the, th the position we're in now is like you're saying how there's not enough psychiatrists. So therefore, there's so many patients, so you only have X amount of time with each patients. That, that's something I don't like. I, I really enjoy spending you know, a full hour on an intake with a patient and, and getting to know them. And I wish every one of my encounters could be that long. That's just not the reality of the situation. Maybe chat GPT can aid healthcare and, and give those patients the time they deserve with their healthcare providers. I like that. Um, we can end on a positive note. And Logan, it's, uh, I don't know how to feel. Um, I guess I'm kind of pained to hear that you're, um, you know, carrying this emotional burden of being a healthcare provider, a physician, a resident. I mean, and I understand that. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, we're part of right. the same training program. We largely have the same clinical experiences. We've dealt with a lot of the same BS and I definitely get it right. It can, it can wear you down over time. And, you know, as part of what makes us different from ChatGPT. We're real human beings. We have real emotions. Right. Um, so I just wanted to show my appreciation for the sacrifices that you've made in your career, um, the career change that you've made from, you know, working in an insurance where objectively life was a little bit more comfortable um, right. to this path of uncertainty. Um, it certainly is a challenging path, at least, you know, at the, at the fork in the road we're at right now. Um, so thank you so much, Logan. Thank you for everything that you do for our patients. Thank you for, um, you know, co-hosting this podcast with me. And thanks for all the inf awesome information that you're providing to our audience. Right, right. Well, I think that's a good place to end. You know, June, that was very um, encouraging words of you. So I very, very, very much appreciate it. Um, you know, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, if you've made it thus far, please uh, let us know, uh, both good and bad. We, me and June, uh, we want to hear it all. We want to hear uh, the things you like about the podcast, the things that you 
hope we can change. If there's any topics you want us to particularly cover, um, if there's any guests you want us to have on, that's one thing that we're going to change a little bit about this podcast. We want to do a little bit more interview style. Um, subscribe, give us a rating, send it to your friends. What do you think? Anything else, June? Share the show, please. That's the All best right. way you can help us out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.